0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 14th of October 2012, entitled Strange People. And the Bible reading is taken from 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 1 to 5. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. If you'd like to open your Bibles this evening for our scripture reading, you're in trouble. That clock said almost two thirty when we arrived, and it still says almost two thirty. So, <laughs> so, I have no earthly idea. So I guess I just preach till I'm finished and uh, hope it's okay. Amen. First Peter chapter four, and I'd like to read verses one through five. I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's holy word again, beginning in First Peter chapter four. And verse 1, for as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. Father, thank you again this evening for this time that we have, and we pray, Lord, that over these next moments as we look into your word, we pray that you would meet with us, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would give each one that which is needed, and we'll give you the praise for it in Christ's name. Amen and amen. It says there in verse 4, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them, to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Strange people. Have you ever met anybody in your life that you thought was a little bit strange? Uh, Most of us have. Um, I give people that impression sometimes, I think, when they meet me. You know, people can be strange for a lot of different reasons. Uh, Have you ever met anybody that maybe just had... A strange appearance about them, you know. There was there was there was something unusual about the way that they looked. It may have been some particular feature, or it may be because they'd done something to make themselves strange. I can I can still remember. I never did get used to the uh, uh, to the punk period when people had their their hair spiked, spiked out here every, and it was rainbow colors and everything else and. I admit, I thought they looked pretty strange. You know, I mean, uh, I tried to uh, uh, to be gracious and uh, still treat them like a human, but they didn't look very human to me with, uh, uh, with those features. Uh, and, of course, most of us have met people that maybe their appearance seemed pretty normal. But then when they started speaking, they sounded strange. Uh, maybe they had an unusual voice, or maybe it was the, the accent or the way that they talked or something like that and then there's some people that just downright act strange. They do weird things. And uh, and it kind of stands out because why is it strange? Why would we think that that person with a different appearance, why would we think that they're strange? The person that spoke strangely, the person that acted strangely. Well, because it's not what we would consider the norm with everything else around them. I mean, if everybody had spiked, bright colored hair, then there would be nothing strange about anybody having their hair like that. If everybody spoke the same way, if everybody acted the same way, then there'd be nothing strange. It's only strange because it's different than you. It's different from what you expect. It's different from what you're accustomed to. Well, you know, the simple truth is this, folks, that if we live truly, and we, we really tried this morning to hit on this idea Uh, and and, and tried to to somehow allow the Word of God to to, to show us and and picture to us the importance of everything in our lives, every word that we speak, every action that we perform, whether it's just taking in our our, our food and our drink, whether it's out there uh, working a job or going to school, whatever it is, everything in our life should bring glory to God. That's a pretty awesome thing when we think about it. And of course, we concluded with the fact that there's only one way, that everything, because you see, the Bible is what teaches us that in everything, in everything, we should bring glory to Him. And of course, there's only one person that ever walked the earth that brought glory in everything, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only hope that we have is by not only being in Him, but following Him and His example, allowing Him that dwells within us To speak through us, but I can assure you that if you go around looking like Jesus, acting like Jesus, talking like Jesus, people are going to write you off as being very strange. And that's exactly what the Bible's talking about here. He's talking about, in this case, he's talking about that past life with all these sins that he goes through the list of naming there. And of course, as sinners, that's a normal lifestyle. That's what is just natural for them. But then notice in verse 4, wherein they think it strange that ye not run with them to the same excess of right. They think it very strange that you don't want to go out to the same places, that you don't want to go out and, 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 and get drunk with them and do those same things that the lost world is doing. They can't comprehend. They somehow maybe get this idea, you're strange. Everybody does that. Everybody likes doing those things. Why, you're kind of weird that you don't want to do the things that we do. They don't understand. You know, we're not following a set of rules so that we can hope to weigh up in the balance is okay when we stand before God one day. They don't understand that we are strange. And we're strange for a reason. We are different than they are. We are even different from what we used to be. As we look at some of these things, I just want to give you a few examples in Scripture. You see, sometimes we can feel off-put. We can, uh, we can feel like we don't want people to think that we're strange. We don't want people to think that we're different. It's a lot easier sometimes just to join in with them, or even if we don't join in, to just kind of uh, blend in so that we don't stand out, so that we're not different from the rest of the crowd. Uh, I mean, you know, we'll just go along and maybe do a bit of what they do. We find that, uh, folks, the very fact, the thing that makes you a Christian, uh, makes you strange, because the whole matter of a Christian's repentance is a pretty strange thing. Now we find that, uh, first of all, if we, if we look back into the, uh, into the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter thirteen, in Luke chapter thirteen, and look down, if you would, with me down into uh, uh, verse three. A very simple, simple statement uh, which says this, says, I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So if you are a child of God, that has only come about because of repentance. This is something that is going to be strange in your life because these people look at you. I mean, you used to like doing these things. You used to enjoy doing these things before you got messed up down there at that church. They don't understand it. It seems very strange. What could possibly, because what is repentance? Repentance is a complete change of mind that brings around, brings about a change of action. They can't understand. It's strange that all these things that you once did, the things that they are still doing in living their worldly lifestyles, it's very strange that suddenly you don't like those things anymore. Suddenly those are not the things that you want to do anymore. You see, sinners are supposed to act like sinners. The things that they do simply proves that they're sinners. That's the natural things for them to do. But by the same token for us, our actions should prove who we are. We don't stop doing things and start doing things in order to be saved. They don't understand this. Well, you know, maybe if... If you do those things or don't do those things, and maybe if that's what it's going to take to get you to heaven, they get the hope because they don't comprehend. They don't understand. It's a very strange thing when the Holy Spirit comes into your life and God speaks to you. And when God speaks to you and you know that it's God, you begin to agree with God about these things. That's why you change your mind because before you disagreed with God. You were an enemy of God. Now you begin to agree with Him. Now you begin to see those things as God sees them. But they're still seeing them through fleshly eyes. Something is bad wrong. If a Christian, someone that has genuinely repented, has genuinely changed their mind about sin, about all of those sin, and turned around and gone a different direction, what would be really strange is if you didn't look strange, if you weren't different, because the Bible says that you've got to repent. You've got to make that change, that turn in your life, or you will perish. But what makes it even, even, I guess, more unusual for them? They think, you know, it's like I can still remember that uh, uh, when, when my wife got saved, uh, you know, her family thought that this crazy American had... Brainwashed her in some way, and that she'd get over it. You know that it was something that you know he's just somehow you know he's he's done this job on her, but she'll get over it. She'll be normal again one day, but she's never been normal since. Uh, not in not in the world's eyes anyway. Thank God uh, that strangeness stayed. But they begin to recognize and realize, nope, she really has changed. It wasn't just something you know that uh, was some momentary flash that would go away. Something made it different. In Romans chapter 2 and in verse 4, see what's even more strange to them is that nobody made you do it. Nobody made you do it. The question is asked here. Verse 3 says, And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness? and forbearance, and longsuffering, listen, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. You see, God didn't make you repent. God didn't force you to repent. It was out of God's love, out of his mercy, out of his grace, that he loved you so much that he did those things like sending his son to die on a cross, to shed his blood, to pay for your sins. You see, that makes it even more strange because, you know, it wasn't something that was forced upon you. It was something because somebody loved you so much (laughs) that you changed your mind. And so, folks, it should be strange to the world. Don't let it put us off because they think it's strange that we don't want to continue to do the same things they do and live like they do and go to the places they do. We love them. We want to see them saved. But we don't have the same desires. And it don't make sense to them, this strange thing called repentance, that our minds have been changed because of the love of God. But you see, it wasn't just getting saved. There's something else that makes us strange, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. You see, in the first instance, there was this thing called repentance where the Holy Spirit came into your life and convicted you of sin. You began to see things as God saw them. You began to see sin as God saw it. And you made it about face. But now notice what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Verses 14 and 18, you see, not only is the Christian's repentance strange to them, but the Christian's separation, that lifestyle that is continued afterwards. In Second Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 14, the Bible says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers? For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. We talked about that this morning, didn't we? As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you and will be a father unto you and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. You see, the Bible teaches us as a Christian Not only when we repent and we begin to feel about sin like God does, then the natural thing for us, Brother Steve, is if we think about those things like God does, we don't want anything to do with them. He's talking about the Christian's lifestyle here as they go on living their Christian life. Come out from amongst them and be ye separate. Touch not the unclean thing. And I realize, I fully realize How difficult it is sometimes to figure out where in the world, as a Christian, that you're to draw that line. You know, and and people tend to go to extremes in everything. I mean, on the one hand, on one side, you have got people that are so legalistic that they wouldn't have anything to do with a lost person anywhere on the face of the earth. They'll cushion themselves with just... Their Christian faith, their Christian friends, they never even go out into that world. On the other hand, you've got those that are so liberal that they go out into that world. And they feel like, you know, well, we're all, you know, we're all trying to do the same thing. Doesn't matter what religion it is, doesn't matter what you do. And the simple truth is they go out there partaking in that sin with them. It's hard to find the balance, but. You know, it comes back to just like most things with our Christian faith. Number one, it's a heart. And you've got, you've got something within you now that you did not have as an unbeliever. And it's called the Holy Spirit. Now, our conscience, which the Bible has quite a lot to say about, our conscience was tarnished by sin. But the truth is, if the Holy Spirit is controlling our lives, then we know. We know sometimes without anybody telling us, we know when something's wrong. We know when it's not right. We know when it's questionable. You see, Jesus was a friend of sinners, but He never, ever, ever, as we find in this He never touched the unclean things. He never touched their lifestyle. Well, you know, if, 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 if my lost friends are uh, going out somewhere and they want me to go with them, should I go? Well, that depends. Where are they going? if they're going out into the world to do the things of the world, in the worldly places, then you're playing with fire. You're liable to get burnt. Come out from amongst them and be ye separate. But that makes me seem weird. Yes, it will. As a Christian, it will be strange to them. It shouldn't be strange to another believer that has experienced the same change in their life that you have. The simple truth is when you're there, you see, we find in the Bible, we find that Jesus was criticized. And there's a sermon way back, I don't know, probably a couple of years back that uh, should still be on the, uh, on the website, Jesus, a friend of sinners in two parts. We try to deal with this in, in, in quite specific detail. You see, the truth is, is that Jesus was a friend of sinners, so much so that He went and died on the cross. It's while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us. But you never find Jesus. Oh, He was condemned for eating with the sinners and for doing these things, but He never partook of their sin. And what was He always there for? (laughs) He was there to show them something better. He was there to be a witness. He was there to be a light. He wasn't there to enjoy what they were doing. He wanted to give them a better way of life. I made this statement this morning. I know that uh, you might even seem a little strange to your Christian friends. If you go out there with your lost friends and suddenly, you know, just jump up in the middle of that table and start preaching to the whole crowd, (laughs) if God leads you to, have at it. He says preach it from the rooftops, but I'm saying that might be a little unusual. That might be a little strange. And I'm saying, you know, that, you know, it might be a little strange if you go out there and, and the only thing that you're ever doing, the only conversation that you're ever having with them is somehow trying to... Force your faith upon them. You can't do that. But you should look for every opportunity. There is something missing if you're out there with them and you're not looking for opportunities to share Jesus with them. That's hard to do if they're out there in the world, partaking of the world and worldly things, and you're right there with them doing the same things. You should be different. And even when we are living in this world, we don't have to partake of the things of this world. We don't have to touch the unclean things. The devil will try to get you in just a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. Well, this isn't so bad, and that's not wrong. You don't want to seem weird to them. No, if you're living for God, the Bible says if you live godly, you will suffer persecution. There's no question about it. You see, It's strange, this whole thing of repentance about God's love, you changing your mind about sin. And it's a strange thing that you separate yourself from those sinful things and don't partake in them and don't allow yourself to be tarnished by them. That's strange. It is. We find there's something else in, in the Word of God. You see, there's something else that's strange. What was it? What in the world was it that that made you start feeling different about sin and brought about a change in your life and suddenly in that that lifestyle that you're living that you're no longer partaking. You see, that's what he said in our text that they thought it was strange. They think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot speaking evil of you. They might say some bad things. Well, I'll tell you, one of the things that's strange to them, you find it spoken of in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Very simply, the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The substance, the very support. It's that which which holds it there. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. If you take away faith, in other words, there is no hope. That's what holds hope in place. Faith is the very substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's also through your faith that is the evidence, the proof that there's something else. You see, it doesn't make sense. And then when Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus, he said, for by grace are ye saved through faith, through faith. There is no salvation outside of that. Now, i tell you, the world is going to think this thing called faith. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So we find that when we start beginning to look all these things together, basically what it was is that you begin to believe this book. You begin to believe what God actually said about himself you begin to believe what God actually said about Jesus Christ. You begin to believe that it was true. And as you begin to accept that by faith, that seems pretty strange. You see, you've got to realize this is hard for us because anybody ever felt stupid about something? Hmm, <laughs> I have, yeah. <laughs> and especially something when it's something that you knew you ought to know better. <laughs> I should have known that. Well, the thing is, most of us don't like feeling stupid. But the world will try to make you feel stupid. You know, the Bible has a lot to say. Folks, there's nothing wrong with intelligence. You know, there's absolutely no rewards anywhere in the Bible for stupidity. There's nothing wrong with intelligence. Matter of fact, the Bible has a whole lot to say about our minds and what we should do with our minds. The problem is, it's when we try to let the world teach us the things that we know and it goes contrary to what God's teaching us. You see, all that world, the vast majority of them out there, unless they come from a strange background like a Christian home, they've been taught that man, billions of years ago, there was this weird explosion that took place that out of that pot of mixed up cosmic soup that one day there was this little amoeba, this little tadpole-like thing that come crawling up on the beach somewhere. (laughs) And you know what? Eventually eventually that little tadpole thing turned into an ape. I mean, you know, that was billions of years ago. That was millions of years ago. I mean, it's a long time for this to take place, but then the simple fact is, is that ape over time evolve. I like what I heard one preacher say one time. When they began talking about their evolution and their millions and their billions of years and all this, he kind of scratched his head and said, I kind of wonder if maybe evolution hasn't taken its course in them yet. (laughs) They haven't come to realize. They're still thinking with an ape mind, in other words. They're still thinking with a mind that has nothing to do with God. Now, he said it in a lighthearted hearted way, but the simple truth is we've got to realize that that's the way the natural mind thinks faith. I mean, you begin to believe in the beginning. God created the heaven and the earth? You really believe that? Bible says that God said, and it was. Six days, six literal days, you believe that? Why, look what science says. Science says it took millions and billions of, of years for these things to happen. Well, you know, here's the thing. Nobody's been around that millions and billions of years to see it happen. <laughs> and they've never seen it happen. So they're speculating, but what they're trying to figure out is how this could possibly happen. But there's one thing that's missing out of their equation that's pretty important. And His name is God, <laughs> Jehovah God. You see, God's not part of their equation. So they're trying to figure out how could this possibly happen? Why? It had to take billions of years. Why? Because we've never seen it happen, and we're still not seeing it happen. So it had to happen so slow that nobody can see it happen. Truth is, is that they're not only taken out of the equation. Well, you know, look at the earth. The earth has got to be more than 6,000 years old. I mean, you know things. Well, They take out of the equation. That faith that we have in that book says that there was a worldwide flood, that it was all covered by millions and billions of gallons of water. And you think that doesn't change what's underneath it? It changes it drastically. We could go on and on. What I'm trying to say is that the world is going to think you strange because you believe these things. You believe in a God. You believe in creation. You believe in a worldwide flood? You, you really believe that those Israelites came across dry land, that the, that the sea just parted with them? You, you believe all that miracle stuff in there, that, that Jesus just did this and it happened? You are strange. There's no scientific proof for that. How can you possibly believe that stuff? Folks, the Bible says they're going to think you strange people because you're not wanting to run with them in their sins like you one time did. They're going to think you're strange people. Why? Because repentance is a pretty strange thing for somebody that's never experienced it. How can, how can somebody possibly grasp that? Separation? You know, ha- having, having a desire to stay away from those, those dirty things and, and, and not touch them and be separate? Faith? Believing that book? Believing that all those things are true? I'm saying to you, you're looking at a world that's without God. A world that is trying to be educated without the Word of God. He's the only one that was there when it happened. And yet they don't want to believe Him. I know. You know, the simple truth is, is that we don't become Christians because of scientific facts. But thank God, Brother Steve, no scientific fact that man has ever, ever uncovered has ever gone contrary to the Word of God. They've never proven Him wrong. They start speculating and they start saying things that just aren't true. Strange. Strange, these Christians. The Christian's faith is strange, but something else is strange. It's strange when a believer, listen, have you ever had anybody come up to you and start telling you about this Wonderful vision that they've had that nobody else has seen. I mean, you know, the thing is, sometimes you might scratch your head and think that that's a little unusual. And yet, look at it from the world's perspective. To us, it's not strange because we read about things that man has never seen, that man has never laid out. Matter of fact, the Bible says that our eyes have never seen, that our ears have never heard what is in store for us as Christians. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27, it said that Moses, it says, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. God? You've never seen God? Heaven? You talk about this stuff like it's real? But nobody's ever seen Him. Nobody's ever seen heaven. Nobody's ever seen hell. Nobody's ever seen a lot of this stuff you talk about. See, it's kind of strange that because of our faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Simple truth is, as a Christian, not because of your intellect, not even because you read every word in this book from cover to cover. A lot of people have done that that are not Christians. But because by God's, I mean, here you go again. You talk about this person called the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. Who's ever seen him? Anybody ever seen him? You talk about these invisible things as Christians. Because of the Holy Spirit, the invisible becomes visible. We can see those things. We can know they're real just as sure as if they're there. And, you know, that's kind of strange to an unbelieving world. Wow. You know, you see these things that nobody else has ever, ever seen. And I want to give you one final one. I love this passage. John chapter 14 Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. And then he makes a promise. He says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Then he makes another promise. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again to receive you unto myself. And we could turn to many places, but what I'm saying is, folks, is, huh, you know, you've got this idea that, first of all, that this guy called Jesus that died 2,000 years ago, you guys actually think he's coming back again. You, you think he's actually going to come in the sky. You, you think he's going to come in the clouds. And and then on top of that, Brother Steve, you you think that somebody's going to blow this trumpet and that somehow we're just going to be, boom, we're just going to be out of here. Faster than the snap of a finger, we're going to be gone. That Jesus come back to get us to take us to the place that he prepared for us in heaven. Boy, y'all are really a weird bunch if you believe all that stuff. But you see, something would be wrong if the world didn't think we were strange because I believe that with all of my heart. I believe it because I believe God's word. I believe Jesus was telling us the truth, praise God, because he can't tell anything but the truth. You see, Peter was trying to make it clear to us. Let's read that verse once again. <laughs> he says, wherein they think it's strange, that ye run not with them to the same excessive riot, speaking evil of you, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. One day we will stand before God, and we believe that. The thing I want you to grasp and see, folks, we all live in the same world. And I know, you know, I guess at different times, different ages, there's different things that are harder for us. It's hard as a young person when all your friends are going to the nightclubs and drinking their booze and partying here and partying there and doing all these things. It's just, it's just what everybody does. It's hard to be strange and be different and not uh, not want those things. You see them like God sees them. You don't want to touch those things. You want to come apart from them. They think it's kind of strange when you as a Christian, you mean, I mean, man, look at that guy. Look at that girl. I mean, there's something you only dream about. God doesn't make people that perfect. You wouldn't go out with them because they're not a Christian. What is wrong with you? You're a strange lot. Well, the Bible says that we were a strange lot. We're called peculiar in another place, but here peter's talk about they're going to think you're strange folks they will thank god they only think we're strange because we're different <laughs> just like the things that we think that are strange in this world is strange because it's not the norm for us the christian life can't be the norm for an unbeliever and these are just a few examples <laughs> you got to comprehend it sounds pretty weird to them that don't know the truth, but you see, the only way they'll come to know that truth is through your strangeness. Through your strangeness, if you're just like them, doing the same things they are, living the same life they are, then <laughs> what is it that's going to make a difference in their lives? You know, I'm not saying be weird for the sake of being weird, I'm saying just be a Christian, be a Christian, be what God wants you to be, be Christ like. Those sinners never, ever had to worry. They never even had to question whether that Jesus loved them or not. Jesus was right there. Jesus was talking to them. Jesus was trying to get them to see what would change their lives forever. He proved it with his own life. Folks, we've got to love them. And we can't lock ourselves away. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not condemning them. You know, it's between them. But, you know, I, I've always tried to figure out, you know, this whole thing with Monks going off and living by themselves on some mountaintop somewhere, how that that brings glory to God. Well, somehow they think it does. But I think the thing that brings the most glory to God is us truly being the little Jesus, is the Christ-like Christians that we ought to be in this world. Just like when Jesus came to this world and Jesus was willing to die for those sinners, our lives should be different they should think us strange, but that strangeness is what I'll let them say. There, there's something different about that person. How can they possibly believe that? How can they possibly enjoy life doing what they're doing instead of what we're doing? You see, they'll naturally ask those questions. And I tell you myself, <laughs> most of us have been there. We've all been there to some degree or another when we were the lost person. Some get saved at younger ages and don't experience that as much. But the truth is, is, yeah, I've looked at them and I've thought it was kind of strange. How can they really want to do that? I was saved pretty young. I thank God for that. You know, I can remember the years when when I went away from the Lord for a few years and the simple truth is, is that even during that time, man, those Christians, (laughs) I mean, they they come down through there and I'd cross over to the other side of the street. I knew, I knew they were going to witness to me. I knew they were going to try to get me to go to church with them again. I knew they were going to do that. And you know, the thing is, even though outside I was trying to be so cool and not caring about it, inside it was cutting me to pieces (laughs) because I knew they were doing what I should be doing. I knew they were living the life I was supposed to be doing. and yet. I was too busy looking cool with the world, being part of the world. And the sad thing is, you know, is that sometimes that's all too easy when we start down that slippery slope. Let's be strange. They're going to not only think we're strange, he said, they're going to speak evil of you. Yeah, they are. But, you know, I wonder if we really stop to think. All those people that think we're strange and all those people that are speaking all those evil things... If it were our strangeness that finally got through to even one of them, and they got saved, how could you compare that to just going along and fitting in with the crowd and never making a difference? If you saved one person from an eternity of hell, of being separated from God forever and ever, we can't even begin to understand that one person they could have the promise of Jesus instead, that prepared place in heaven to go one day and be with Him, Father, I thank you this evening, Lord, as I read this verse and this passage. and Lord, it's such a true thing, and I guess that uh, uh, most of us have lived enough that we know what it's like to, to be on the receiving end of seeming strange, of being talked evil of, Lord, I pray that you just help us as a people. Help us to be proud of what it is that makes us strange to them. Help us to understand, Lord, they're just acting like they're supposed to act as lost people, but help us to act like we're supposed to as Christians. Help our lives to make a difference. Help us to treat and speak and act with each one of them just like Jesus Christ would. And Lord, you can use that for your glory. For it's in Christ's name we pray, amen.